if you're in college and you're writing an essay, you're not only writing that final essay for that paper, you're also writing every single essay you've ever struggled with and ever written. And all of those negative emotions coming up from way back in fifth grade are still there. Dating is a good example, right? And every time you go to ask someone out, you're not just asking them out. You're asking out everybody that you ever asked out before. And most of those people rejected you. And potentially, it's also all of those people you wanted to ask out but didn't, they're wrapped up in there too. And that's your wall of awful around taking the risk of asking someone out on a date. ADHD Rewired, episode 78. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. If you are new to this podcast, I would like to welcome you, and I really want to encourage you to start back at the beginning. You will be able to hear how this show has evolved from a podcast featuring just me as I share some of my own stories and my productivity strategies to a show featuring you and your stories and your strategies. Last fall, I launched the very first ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group. Just like the podcasts, these groups have evolved. Each group has been incredible in its own right, but the one thing that has been so clear to me is I've been providing productivity groups for those of us with ADHD is that productivity for people with ADHD is so much more than just about productivity. It's about dealing with shame and inadequacy. It's about overcoming those emotional hurdles and challenging our belief systems. It's about looking at our worthiness and learning how to overcome failures and learning from our failures. To quote Zig Ziglar, Failure is an event, not a person. Every person that has gone through one of the ADHD rewired coaching and accountability groups has come with their own set of challenges and strengths. There is something that is so extraordinarily powerful about sharing with the group about things like that phone call that you've been putting off for weeks or that form that you were supposed to do weeks ago or that paper that you've been struggling to complete. And to be able to hear and see the other members of this group look at you and say with full sincerity, me too, I get it, I've been there. This is the power of connection with people who really understand. And when you join the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group, you will learn strategies and techniques to improve your time management and organization and your effectiveness. You'll get accountability each week towards your goals. Not only will you learn better methods for planning, you will receive the support and accountability you need to help you carry out your plans. ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Groups really changes lives. The question is, are you ready to get your ADHD rewired? Fall enrollment for the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group has begun. Early registration pricing ends August 31st. Group begins September 14th. Schedule your screening call today. 
or learn more about the group at coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. Oh, one more thing. If you sign up before August 31st, I have a promo code for you that I'm not going to put in the show notes, but I'm only going to say here, use a promo code growth and you'll get a hundred dollars off registration. You can either mention it just when we talk or add it to the notes when you sign up for your, your consultation call at my website, get a hundred dollars off registration, but you do have to act now. Where the registration ends August 31st. Go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. All right, last time, coachingrewired.com. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I am here in the virtual studios in Northern Illinois with my guest, Brendan Mahan. Did I get it? Mahan. 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 Oh. Whatever. Whatever. People have been messing up my name for so long, it doesn't even matter. Mahan. Mahan. <laughs> and this is what I did for like two minutes before we hit record. It's Mahan. Mahan. Yeah. Brendan Mahan. M-A-H-A-N. Yep. <laughs> the worst intro ever, but I'm going to keep going with it. So Brendan is a an ADHD speaker and coach. He's a former teacher and a licensed guidance counselor. He works with people of all ages. And his focus is on helping families and schools navigate the effects of ADHD and the effects that it has on home and in the classroom. Brendan is particularly interested in the role of emotions and how that can exacerbate ADHD. He refers to this phenomena in something he calls the wall of awful. Brendan Mahan. Mahan. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. How are oh, you? I'm doing well. It's warm. It's toasty. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it probably will get toasty in here. My air conditioning seemed louder today, so I decided to turn it off before we before I hit record here. And um, so just so everyone also knows, I know Brendan. Uh, he has been in my in the coaching group, uh, the, the summer coaching group. Um, and this wall of awful, this is something that he was he mentioned during one of our discussions in our group. And um, I was like, that's awesome. I want you to come on the podcast and talk about that because that was that was killer. So let's just maybe start right there and then we'll back up and get a little bit more of your story. But what's what is this wall of awful? So it's my metaphor for explaining the emotional impact of ADHD. And the reason I created it is because often when I work with parents talking to their kid, talking about their kids and with their kids and trying to help them navigate having a child with ADHD, although often one parent has ADHD, it's rare that they both do. And even if one of them does, they tend to have difficulty understanding what their kid is going through. And they have difficulty relating to the challenges that say a sixth grader is experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so why, I, why do you think that is? I think some of it is um, not everyone can remember back to what that was like. I think some of it is if you don't have ADHD, if you're the, the neurotypical parent, mm -hmm. it's hard to wrap your head around what's going on anyway. And some of it is if you're the parent who does have ADHD, one of two things happen. Either they kind of look at their kid and they're like, I, 
I remember that. I handled it. What the heck? Move on. Or it brings up their own wall of awful, their own negative emotions, and they kind of back away or get a little angry or frustrated with it and have difficulty engaging with the challenges that their kid is going through in a way that's sympathetic and empathic. You said it brings up their own wall of awful. So right. go, dive well, let me into get that. the wall of awful so yeah. you explain what it is. Um, so the wall of awful is the emotional barrier that prevents us from engaging in activities that we often fail at. The best example, real world example I have of this is taxes, right? 90% of people don't do their taxes until the last minute because they just don't want to deal with it. That's the wall of awful because taxes remind us of every sort of little form filling out moment that we've ever had that we were worried we were going to fill it out wrong because if we fill it out wrong, the IRS is going to kick in our door. And it's kind of like math homework and not everyone enjoyed math homework. It's just that those tedious assignments that are, Mm -hmm. and it reminds us of all of them. Every single tedious thing we've ever done is wrapped up in taxes. Um, And that's the wall of awful. The wall of awful is every, everything you failed at in a given scenario. Um, Whenever you have to take on that task again, you're doing it again, all you're, you're doing again, all of those previous activities. So, um, let me, uh, the, another good example would be writing an essay, right? Let's say you have to write mm-hmm. an essay. If you're in college and you're about to graduate and you're writing an essay, you're not only writing that final essay for that paper, you, you're also writing every single essay you've ever struggled with and mm-hmm. ever written. And all of those negative emotions coming up from way back in fifth grade are still there. And you're reminded of that time you had to like research Timbuktu and how much you hated that. And even though what you're writing your, your essay on has nothing to do with Timbuktu, it's still there. Those emotions are still there. Do you know, I recently learned that that's actually a real place. I yeah. always thought it was a made up place. No, it's a real place. <laughs> Lake Titicaca is real too. <laughs> you know, and that makes perfect sense that not the Timbuktu being real, the, the past experiences um, bring up that wall of awful. Uh, I remember, I think it was my sophomore going into junior year of college i took a i had to take a semester off uh for medical uh reasons and um so i had this incomplete uh semester that i was making up and so i had the worst due date for a paper for someone with adhd you know what the worst due date is for someone with adhd tomorrow no that's actually that. forever from now it would be like a six months away or something it's like whenever you get done with it turn it in <sighs> That's the worst due date for true. somebody with ADHD. And and I learned from that experience that if someone tells me that, I say, I don't care. Make up a date, pick, point to your uh, randomly on the calendar, but make up that date and stick and hold me to it. I was working on this paper. I mean, talk about painful. Okay. It's a three page paper. I worked on it for eight hours a day for about two and a half months. Are you kidding me? Three-page paper? Uh-huh. How many times did you revise it? I, it was so painful for me. I mean, it was, I think there was some depression and anxiety going on there too, but it was, yeah. I, I just, you know, I was recently diagnosed with ADHD. Um, I was, this was, I think, my first year after that diagnosis, actually, and, and was, uh, had had some good grades, finally, for the first time in my life. And I'm like, I got to keep these good grades up. I got to keep these good grades up. Like, I finally, I'm, I'm not stupid. I can do this. The paper, well, if I remember the title of this paper 
was America suffers from a white superiority complex, something like that. So it was, it was a kind of a heady, you know, um, uh, it was my, one of my social work courses and, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was so painful. And so I think that when I, when I, now when I approach writing, I am sure that that is a huge brick in my wall of mm-hmm. my wall of awful. Is, it's more than one brick. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, I I remember I remember papers that I lost that would you know it was I sent it to my my uh, my room to print it out in, in college from the library and you know file corrupt. I yep. guess, I've had that happen. It, I mean, and that was then I pulled my all weaker, which I think I talked about on a uh, prior podcast. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, though. You know, when I when I did my uh, my thesis in grad school, and I was like, a, and that's like, I I thought that I would never be able to actually accomplish it, but I did, and that was like one of my biggest accomplishments I think ever. It was like a, I don't I don't remember how long it was. It was thirty or forty page. I, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's writing's always been a challenge, and that's definitely my wall of awful. Like right now, um, I uh, was asked to write a, a hundred, I think a hundred word article, like a really small thing for for Attitude Magazine, mm-hmm. and I've just been thinking about it. I'm like, if I can just get myself to do it, and there's that <laughs> that little just. I'm like, if I can just get myself to do it, so. All right. Anyway, Brandon, walk me through this wall. What, how, what do I do to get around it, get through it? Go, All right. Go so here, here's just to break it down a little further. The wall of awful begins to form when we fail, right? Because you have to mess up with something before you start to get negative emotions around it. So every time we fail, we get a failure brick in our wall. But that's not the only brick we get for that failure. Because whenever we fail, we disappoint ourselves. So you also get a disappointment brick. Oh, that's and, a, that sucks. It gets worse. <laughs> it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Okay. Um, so along with that disappointment brick, if you're a kid, you're, you've got parents. So you might get a disappointment brick for mom or a disappointment brick for dad and for your teacher. And if your classmates are involved, you're getting a disappointment brick for them. If you're an adult, you might get a disappointment brick from your spouse without even meaning to, or maybe even potentially your kids, depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. So the people involved in this failure who are going to be impacted by it, you get disappointment bricks for them. And whenever we disappoint someone, we feel like they're going to reject us socially, whether or not they do, no matter how much unconditional love they show us, there's still that little bit of fear that I made this mistake and they're not going to like me anymore. So along with these disappointment bricks, we're also getting rejection bricks. And it just, and it builds from there because now you feel, eventually you start to feel guilty. So now you're getting a guilt brick to go along with the failure brick and the disappointment brick and the rejection brick. And it, it, the guilt brick eventually becomes a big block of shame in your wall. The difference being guilt is I feel like I made a mistake and shame is I feel like I am the mistake. And how do you tease those two things out? Particularly when the problem or the mistake is ADHD and that's a part of you. So how do you tease out? I feel guilty versus I feel shamed when a big chunk of why these mistakes are happening is because you have executive functioning issues. Um, and so that's the wall of awful. And we can go into the executive functioning connections in, in a little bit, but I'll continue describing it. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience is that generally the wall of awful starts to form around fourth grade for kids with ADHD and kids with learning disabilities. Because um, that stuff starts to get a little intense at the third grade, fourth grade level. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little while to have experienced these failures to start, sort of 
recognize the pattern and have that emotional response. Um, let, me, can, let me ask you this. So if, if um, because we know that if you're a parent, that there's a good chance that your kid also may have ADHD. Mm-hmm. If you, if you are a parent that has ADHD, what, what does it look like for the third or fourth grader? What, what do you, what do you, cause you, you've been in the classroom, you, you've been a guidance counselor. So you're, so you see it from many perspectives. Yep. I do. What does it look like? Cause I, you know, I'm imagining myself uh, in third grade. I was, I was, I don't even remember what the issue was. I was asked to stand out in the hallway for something that I did. I don't remember what it was. And then think about how sad this is, right? So and it's, it's funny that I remember this. So um, I was asked to stand out in the hall, and then um, shortly after, everyone went to recess. Well, I didn't know that I was okay to go to recess with everyone, so I stayed in the hall while everyone was out in recess. And my teacher came back, and when everyone else was coming back, said, you know, Eric, well, why are you still here? And I thought that that's where I was supposed to stay. And it was like, there there was a big brick right there. It's like, yep. oh, yep. man. Yeah. I probably had my head down in shame as everyone was like walking probably. by me. And then I didn't get the cue that you can come with too. Mm-hmm. So, so what, and so, so it looks like avoidance and resistance. Mainly it's going to look like do this assignment and you're either avoiding that assignment or resisting that assignment. So you're fighting back against it. It's going to look like one of those two things. This is no different in adults. Nope. And so, and that's, that's the way people deal with the wall of awful. So there's four ways to deal with the wall of awful only two of which work, only one of which is healthy. So the two that don't work are some people will walk up to the wall of awful and stare at it and not do anything. Been not there, actually engage. Been there, done that. Right. That's when you kind of just freeze. Other people will say, oh, I'm just going to go around the wall of awful. Except you can't because it's a metaphor and it's infinitely wide. I know because I made it up. You can't. <laughs> You can't go around it. When you start to go around it, what happens is you see something shiny and you get distracted by it. So, oh, my iPad is right there. I'm going to go play whatever I want to play, you know, like Minecraft or something. Um, <laughs> not that I, I know anybody who that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only two ways to actually get around it, to, uh, to not, not to get around it, but the only two ways to actually get past it, one is to Hulk smash your way through the wall of awful, to just get really mad and crash through it. That's the kid who picks a fight with mom or dad or the teacher in order to get enough emotional energy up to get past the negative emotions that he's got to deal with when the wall of awful is there. That's when you hear things like, fine, I'll do my math. And then they start doing it, but now they're angry. And that argument damages relationships, so we want to avoid it. Can I just jump in really quickly? Because I yeah. just is a, it's a real nuanced thing that comes up in my office a lot. Um, if it, if as a parent, if your kid says that, don't now get into the fact that they said how they said fine. Like say, okay, they're right. they're doing it. Pick your battles. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and I now agree. they just stimulated their brain, which is which is why you don't want to argue with kids with ADHD because it's mm-hmm. our brains are understimulated to begin with. And what does arguing do? It stimulates yeah, our right. brain, but in a very toxic way. Yep. I completely agree. Um, so the only positive way to deal with the wall of awful is to climb it. Unfortunately, climbing it looks a lot like staring at it and looks a lot like going around it. So the way that it might look like staring at the wall is the kid who takes 15 minutes to get his binders out to do his homework. Now, 15 minutes is an excessively long period of time. I admit. 
But during those, I was just going to say that sounds like me when I was younger. <laughs> but to get like two binders out or whatever doesn't take fifteen minutes to pull it out it's your back. Thirteen minutes of thinking about it. Exactly, and what that thinking about it is is dealing with the wall of awful. That's you navigating those emotions and that I don't want to do it stuff. You're dealing with the wall of awful in those fifteen minutes, and it's important to have. My mom used to say to me, you would rather sit there and stare at the wall than do the thing I'm asking you to do that will take you one minute to do. Yep. I can't tell you how many times she would say that to me. <laughs> because you were dealing with the wall of awful around whatever that task was. Um, and the other, the, the one that looks like going around it is when you have your kids say, okay, I'll do my science but can I watch an episode of SpongeBob first? It's possible that your kid really means that. And if you set a timer that's going to go off at the end of SpongeBob, or you somehow cue them at the end of SpongeBob that it's time to do homework, then they're set up to succeed potentially. But if you don't, if all you do is say, okay, watch this episode of SpongeBob, after that episode of SpongeBob ends, another one starts. And for someone with executive functioning impairments, there's no obvious choice point that says go back and do your homework. It's just you sit there and the TV takes over and you watch four episodes of SpongeBob and now mom's yelling at you and you don't understand why. Brendan, have you noticed on Netflix, it, like for shows, it now just automatically goes to that next episode? Yep. If Awful. anyone at next Netflix is listening to this, will you please put a setting so you can choose if that happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's no choice point. Right. And then you right. just, you're just sitting in front of the TV because you got caught up in that wave and you don't want to deal with doing that homework assignment anyway. You don't want to deal with that science assignment. So you're willing to sit back and let it take over, even though you're not really making that choice on purpose because you're not cued to start the science homework. You need really need that cue. And with parents, I encourage them to look at their kid, pay attention, figure out how are they trying to climb the wall and is it a way that works for them? And either way could work for on any given day, but you need help doing it. And one of, one of the best things about the wall of awful is that it gives families a language to talk about some really abstract concepts of emotions and dealing with them. Mm-hmm. Just saying to your kid, are you climbing the wall of awful? And they're like, yeah, I am climbing the wall of awful. As soon as you cue them into that, it doesn't take as long to climb anymore. So that mm-hmm. 15 minute binder progress process takes five. And we're willing to do five, five we can accept. And it also, I've had situations where I've said, are you climbing the wall of awful? And my clients have said to me, no, I'm just kind of spacing out. <laughs> okay, well then do your homework. Yeah. <laughs> or do whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, I, and that's, that's yeah, the, the, well, it looks like the same behavior can be a, a completely different function. Right. No, that's, that's a really awesome analogy. I, I, I really, really like that. Um, cause I know that, you know, Thomas Brown talks, I mean, that he, one of his big things is talking about emo- the role of emotions, mm-hmm. uh, in, in ADHD. Um, so I just had a curiosity are these, um, you know, w- what are some of your influences as far as how you think about ADHD? Um, Thomas Brown is in there. He, um, I, I sort of like to think that the world of ADHD has finally caught up to me because a few years ago, nobody was talking about emotions and ADHD. It was all executive functioning and all that other stuff. Uh-huh. And I've been like, no emotions. Emotions are huge. 
and, but, but I'm just some guy. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, how I, that's how I felt uh, about autism and ADHD. Like when I was first like combining these two in my practice and talking to people about how similar they are, mm-hmm. you know, so many people would say, what, what do you mean they're similar? Like, and now like you hear so many people talking about the similarities and the overlaps between autism and ADHD, but, right. but back yeah. to your influences and, um, another one that, um, is he's not actually an ADHD person, but Guy Winch, who wrote a book called Emotional First Aid. Um, and reading that book really helped me define the negative emotions associated with the wall of awful. Because his, his perspective on that book is that we teach kids to band, put a Band-Aid on a cut. We teach kids to ice down a bruise, bruised knee. But we don't teach them anything about what to do when they're feeling rejected or what to do when they're feeling hurt by someone else mm-hmm. or when they're feeling anxious. We don't teach them how to navigate the emotional side of injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his book, Emotional First Aid, is, discusses that. And it's, it's a great book. Any idea if it's on Audible? I don't know. Well, if it is and you have not gotten your free download yet, you can go to audibletrial.com slash ADHD rewired for your free audiobook download. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so those are some, and I've got a, um, I'm, I'm in Massachusetts and I've got a mentor out here named, uh, David Nowell, Dr. David Nowell. Uh, and he's his, some of his stuff with ADHD is phenomenal. He talks a lot about, um, is it important or is it fun and how people with ADHD will gladly do the fun thing, but tend to have a little more difficulty with the important stuff. Right. And we should really flip how we prioritize things. <laughs> Well, and that's, um, you know, that's where I came up with that word importance, you know, the right. stuff that it's important, but we acknowledge that it's boring. And so I think yeah. when you, and that's where, you know, it, and you're right on with this is the, the importance of language to describe our experience, you mm-hmm. know, so, um, uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever used this phrase on, on the podcast, but I use it with a lot of the, the kids that I work with is, um, when it comes to like transitioning is the idea of making a hard stop. So it has that kind of double meaning where you have to kind of slam on the brakes. It's hard stop, you know, but it's also hard to stop. Um, So out of curiosity, do you have any other like little phrases that you use with with either yourself or your clients that that you can share with us? I do. Um, One of my favorites is that sometimes the ADHD wins, which I use all the time because it won if the ADHD or first, if the ADHD won, then you're done. It doesn't have to keep winning. You can just say, okay, ADHD won that battle. Here's a new one. Rematch. And it lets you restart a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah rematch. And it also um, depersonalizes it. It's not that I failed. It's not that I lost. It's that the ADHD won. Mm-hmm. And that, like that. that helps my clients a lot. That's, that's, that's great. And that's, you know, and it's this, when I think about all the things that, at what, what it means to have your ADHD rewired, I mean, that's, that's one of those things. It's like the redo, the the trying something differently. It's it's trying until it you know until it sticks, and then when that doesn't work, you try something else. Um, and, and also that it's okay to fail, right? Yes, yes. People with ADHD have it in their heads that they're not allowed to fail because they often do. They so often fail. I'm a champion so at failure. Them. I am a champion at fail. I I did a a, a, a Toastmasters um, speech a while back. Uh, then the title of the, of the speech was "I am a failer." As nice. someone who, you know, repeatedly fails, because it's, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we can either shame ourselves from our failures 
or we can embrace the failure, not that it feels good, but we can embrace the lesson that is within anything that we've done to that, that didn't turn out the way we wanted to. I mean, I'm all about planning and productivity and all this stuff. And I, you know, I shared, um, somewhere that in the last like two weeks, I didn't touch my planning notebook. I looked at it. I took it out and put it on my desk every day, but I didn't do anything with it. I was, I was in the, uh, something I hadn't done for quite some time. I was searching for a new tool because I, I felt like I was getting bored with, with my system and I was searching. I was like, you know what? I, I this, I'm like the 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 calls and emails that are coming in. Like, I'm not putting them anywhere. Like, and I was getting kind of flustered by that. And so I just said, you know what? Let me just reset up my old system. And you know, so it was one of those things. Just like, oh, it was just it was hard to get started again with it. And once I got started again with it, um, I feel like I'm getting back to to doing that. And so I like that idea of the ADHD one for those two weeks. But but now I'm back and, in the game. And if I can frame that with the wall of awful, sure, right. So you're having trouble getting back to your system that's been working for you this whole time. Somewhere in your head, there was probably a voice saying, "You haven't done this for two weeks. You stink." You completely failed because you didn't do this for two weeks. And that voice makes it harder to re-engage with the activity with, in this case, your productivity system. Yeah. I mean, I think with that, it's like for not as much for me. Um, it's more of just like the thinking about almost like the like how many tasks have I kind of missed and have fallen off. So for, it's more of a, a okay, am I going to find those tasks that I have to mm-hmm. you know go back and dig out of my email inbox and, and all of those things. Right. So it's more of like the, the, um, the rational concern of what ball am I going to drop because I didn't realize it was in the air. Right. But there's still emotion in there. There's still sure, sure. concern around. I, I, did I drop a ball? I don't even know I dropped that all that anxiety component. Sure. That, that's there too. And so in that case, that's how the wall of awful was presenting for you and, and making it harder for you to engage with the task. Another way that the wall of awful can impact stuff is it makes it harder to take risks. So if dating is a good example, right? And uh, we're both married, so we're a little out of that scene. But, I was like, where are you going but, with this? <laughs> well, but, right, we're both married, so we're a little out of that scene. We can think back to when we were dating, and I'm sure there's plenty of listeners that are on the, in the dating scene. And every time you go to ask someone out, you're not just asking them out. You're asking out everybody that you ever asked out before, and most of those people rejected you. Because if someone said yes, you probably went out with them for a while. And you lost six months, a year, two years, four years to, of not asking anybody out. And then you go back into the dating pool and you ask someone out and they're like, no, I'm not interested. And potentially you're, it's also all of those people you wanted to ask out, but didn't, they're wrapped up in there too. And that's your wall of awful around taking the risk of asking someone out on a date. I know I was so humored by like my brain was just doing this. Like it was like jumping to like past girlfriends. I'm like, Oh my God, that was awful. Uh, <laughs> What was I thinking on, on that relationship? Uh, that's all my that's all my brain is doing. I was like, oh my, really? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's difficulty that kids that I work with have. Yeah, particularly when you're working with a kid who sort of marries the ADHD and autism spectrum stuff, or the kid that has ADHD that's really impulsive and has difficulty making friends because of it. Mm-hmm. Those kids trying to make friends they have to take a risk to do that. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't work, if it doesn't work enough, now they have a wall of awful around trying to meet and make friends. 
And that can make it really challenging. And they need some coaching and some support around how to do that. And we don't often talk to kids about that. One of the, and one I was of thinking my, too about adults with that too. I mean, I know that friendship is a big issue for, for adults too. I mean, and even for myself, like I don't have the number of friends that I mean, I don't, I don't have many friends. I, mean, I, have, I have my wife. I have, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. and for me, it's like, it's the, it's a lot of that. And I didn't realize this until later in life that it's the executive functioning stuff. It's the follow-up. It's the you know planning. It's the initiating. It's right. you know getting over how much I hate the phone. It's uh yep. <laughs> you know so there is yes yeah, certainly I can see how the wall of waffle could apply to adult yeah. friendships. And it, and it absolutely does. And and my favorite question. I have two of them. They're pretty much the same question. Mine's why. Just wanted to throw that out. That, there. But I'm thinking in terms of maybe meeting, <laughs> meeting people and starting conversations. <laughs> what are you doing over the weekend or what did you do over the weekend Mm -hmm. covers every day, but Wednesday, Wednesday is a little weird. If you ask one of those two questions, cause it's dead in the middle, but Monday or Tuesday, you're good. Hey, what'd you do over the weekend? Thursday, Friday, what are you doing over the weekend? So it covers, you know, most of the time that you're encountering people at work or at school or, Mm -hmm. or wherever you might be that you want to engage and have a conversation with that they're easy conversation starters. Yeah, um, no, I mean, I think that's, you know, I think about what are the, the different areas um, that, that haven't been explored uh, that much on, uh, on the podcast. And I think that is one of the areas is the, the adult friendships. Um, yep. So that should be definitely something to be, uh, I'd like to explore. Uh, and that's for, something I've been pretty, I was pretty mindful about. Yeah. Not, not just in terms of, and we, we can go back to other stuff in a minute, but not just, um, not just in terms of making friends, because that's a little bit of a struggle. We, my wife and I moved mm-hmm. um, about seven years ago and then it immediately had kids. So we had that like, you're stuck in the house now with uh-huh. infants Life years is until they go to first, until they different. go to kindergarten. Right. Life is different. Um, but one of the things we did was we made a conscious effort to hang out with friends who lived back where we were. We used to live in Boston. Now we live in the middle of the state. And so our friends in Boston, we made a conscious effort of, the third Sunday of every month, we're all hanging out. We're just going to get together and and spend some time together. And as a result, have been able to maintain and even strengthen those friendships because we put that priority on them. Making new friends is a different animal. New friends in a new town. We've struggled a little bit. We've made some, Mm -hmm. but I, I was out um, at a a water slide park with a new friend the other day. And she was like, do you know this person? Do you know that person? Do you know this person? And I was like, I don't have any idea who these town people are. how How do you deal with names? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not great. I'm not terrible. I think I'm right in the middle. I'm much better with faces. I'm much better with like, hey, person I know that I know because I'm right. hey, hey, you. I've had right. many, many, many conversations with you. Um, right. I remember all these things except for your name. Yeah. yeah. That's for me, that's one of my biggest social liabilities is my, I have such difficulty not just remembering names, but accessing names in the moment when I, when I know them, mm-hmm. like it's, it's awful. That, that there's a wall of awful. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, like two weeks ago was my, my uh, son's birthday and we had a, a birthday party and like I, there, one of his, uh, uh, our, our neighbor friends, this little boy who's the cutest kid, like he's one of my favorite little kids. And I could like, I know that I know his name. I could not put like, it was like, it was stuck in my brain yep. and I couldn't get it out. And this, that happens to me so often. I've gotten much better at saying, I'm sorry. I don't remember your name. 
I, and I do, and I do that, but there are certain situations <laughs> when you're like, this little, like two year old, they're like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, right, I you mean, can't really not that he would even care, but it's just like, I actually, I wanted to, I was talking to my sister and I wanted to like say like who the person was and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, I, I, I couldn't think of the name. And it's just like, I, all those strategies that like repeat it three times, write it down. It's like, make these associations. I do all of that. Mm-hmm. My brain does not cooperate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and another thing, if I'm going into a situation where I know that I'm going to see someone, I'm not going to remember their name. I just tell my wife. Me too. Absolutely. And then she introduces herself. And I look a little socially like I probably should have done that, but I act like, oh, I'm, I didn't do it fast enough. And then she gets the name and I'm like, yeah, no, no, how's it going? <laughs> So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a a really quick break and then we're going to talk about some things maybe outside the wall. Sure. All right. We'll be right back. Learn, grow, and connect. Improve your time management, planning skills, and overall productivity. Chart your course and get support along the way. ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Groups have been providing people just like you a safe and supportive space to achieve your goals, both big and small. From setting and reviewing weekly goals to our adult study hall, When you get to get those important tasks done, you know, those tasks that are boring and important, we mute our mics with video feeds on and we get to work. Join us for the next ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group today. Don't wait until the last minute. Don't wait for prices to go up. Don't wait until this group fills up. Go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. And schedule your free 20-minute screening call with me today. That's coachingrewired.com. Fall 2015 session begins September 14th, and it's already filling up. Once again, that's coachingrewired.com. And prepare to get your ADHD rewired. Support for this podcast comes from Audible. For a free audiobook download, go to ericktivers.com slash audible for a link for that free download and for some hand-picked recommendations. Go to ericktivers.com slash audible for your free audiobook download. All right, we are back, and um, I tried to get outside of the wall, but I forgot that Brendan's wall, you actually can't get outside of it, um, so we're still in here. <laughs> we'll leave in a minute. All right. I just wanted to point out the, the connections <laughs> between executive functioning and failure and wh- where the wall kind of comes from. Yes. Um, because executive functioning, you're looking at everything from working memory, which if you can't remember it, you're probably going to mess up that task, um, to like planning and prioritizing an organization time management and time awareness, basically everything that you need to do to set and achieve a goal, someone with ADHD is going to have trouble with that because all of those skills that you need, people with ADHD have difficulties and, and, and lackings in those areas. And that's where the, why the wall of awful shows up as quickly as it does for people with ADHD. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Um, that and, and you asked me about phrases that I like. Mm-hmm. And I, I also like metaphors. And the one that I'm using to sort of frame the whole entire world lately is a puddle with rocks in it. So if you picture a really big puddle, 
and then you start throwing rocks in, it takes a while for those rocks to break the surface and to, so that it's obvious they're not under the water anymore. And I've been thinking about that a lot with just about everything, including friendship, it works, where it takes, you have to throw some rocks into that puddle of friendship, as odd, awful as that sounds, um, before the rocks break the surface and you officially feel like that person is your friend. It takes some investment before what you've invested shows up and you can see it. So I think, I think about that in terms of friendship. I think about it in terms of the wall of awful. You have to fail a few times before it even matters that you failed in that way. And then the, the rocks break the surface of the puddle and now it, suddenly it matters. And if you keep throwing rocks on that pile, on that pile it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And the more time it spends on top of the water and out of the water, the more it matters. Brendan, I'm, I'm not sure I followed it. <laughs> Man. Um, so my thought, maybe it's a muddy puddle, so you can't see anything in it, right? Okay. It's a dirty puddle. And you're throwing rocks. And you're like, the rocks just disappear. This must be wicked deep. Wait, how right? big are these rocks? Uh, I don't know. Pretty big. Like hand palm size, size of a palm. Okay. And you're just throwing them in there and they hit the water and they disappear. How, how deep's the puddle? I don't know. It's muddy. But you throw in mean, I, I think, I think of a puddle. I think because I want, I want, I really want this metaphor to work. Um, it our, it our, does in my head. <laughs> oh, I, I've had so many things like that where I have this like it works in my head, but when I try to communicate it, it doesn't work at all. Yeah. Um, so, but let's see. Let's see if we can figure this out because maybe it's just me and everyone listening is like it made sense to me. I don't know why you don't get that, Eric. But <laughs> but you know, it's a, but bear with me. So. I think I need to know how deep the puddle is. Because in my mind, I am imagining a puddle that's like, you know, an inch or two deep. Okay. So let's make it a pond. A pond Instead makes sense. Or even like a like a, one of those five-gallon buckets of water. Like our, yeah, like something, a, a bucket. let's make it something big. Okay. Something between a pond and a puddle. A pondle. A pond and a puddle. A pondle. Okay, a pondle. Something in the middle. Like it's the road is flooded or whatever. You know, like it's a really big pond puddle thing somewhere in the middle that's that's what i'm thinking of is like a decent sized piece body of water a kiddie pool a kiddie pool yeah a kiddie pool is perfect and so we throw some rocks into the kiddie pool right okay now i am totally picturing this all right and then but the water in the kiddie pool is full of mud so we it's you can't see anything okay right and what does the mud and water the muddy water represent um just muddy water at the moment because in this instance, in my head, it can. I wind up using this in a lot of ways. Let's make it uh, redo. Retake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we should work through this. Okay, we can work through it. Okay. Um, so let's let's assume it's that it's it's failure, right? Let's stick with the failure concept. Okay. So we've got a kiddie pool full of mud because we failed at filling the kiddie pool in a clean way. It's full of mud. Okay. And um, we're trying to to overcome our failure. So we need to have some successes to get past this muddy, awful, yucky kiddie pool. Okay. And every time we succeed, we get to throw a rock into the kiddie pool. So we throw rocks in and we throw rocks in, but we still don't feel like a success. And we throw rocks in for years, just like one every other day. Every time we have something good happen, we throw a rock into this muddy kiddie pool. Eventually those rocks are going to break the surface of that muddy failure. And we're going to start to see them when we throw in our successes is that are you with me so far 
I so badly want to say yes. I because re- now I'm like, okay, well, but why do we? Why are we throwing like rocks in the water? Like, what's what's our? Is it, are we trying to clean the pool? Are we try, like? I, why do we have mud in the kiddie pool? Like that just doesn't. You know what I mean? I get you. Because we would just in real the real world we would dump out the water. But so clearly this metaphor is not working for me, Eric. It works in my head. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I so I so badly want it to work, and I I don't even know if it's just like is it my brain's not connecting to it, or I think if I could draw a picture for you, it would be really good, and it would make sense. But I don't have a picture that I can draw for you right now. I think Zoom has a um uh, uh annotation tool. I don't know how to use it though. <laughs> so okay. Um, my, my logic is, and maybe if I explain it in a different way, right? Okay. I said the wall of awful generally in my experience starts to get seen around fourth grade is when kids start to be resistant to doing homework and doing classwork. Some kids earlier than that, but by and large, it seems third, fourth grade, that's when it starts to hit. Mm-hmm. It's not that those kids didn't struggle in kindergarten, first grade, and second grade. They did. They just hadn't struggled on enough occasions for it to matter emotionally to them until they got to third or fourth grade. There's probably so, some of that self-awareness piece that wasn't there as that's well. in it too. And so in the metaphor of the muddy pool, those lower grades would be under the surface of the water. Okay. Third grade and fourth grade is when the failures break the surface of the water and start to matter. It's like the tip of the iceberg analogy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Totally yes. got like it now. Analogy. I think we should go with the iceberg analogy. Okay, we'll go with the iceberg analogy. <laughs> Sometimes people with ADHD take a long time to get to the main idea. <laughs> and sometimes it just takes long time to understand the main yeah. idea. So one of the two happened here. I'm not sure oh, which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> I like the pond idea because it each rock that you throw in is like an individual event. And the iceberg is one solid piece of ice. So it's like one, it feels to me like one giant event as opposed to many small events that all got together to cause a problem. Does that make sense? Yes, it, it does um, make sense. I know as uh, you know, both you and I are both uh, presenters and, and storytellers um, that, um, so, so part of my mind was like, hey, like thinking about workshopping the idea of the analogy yeah. to, to, this you know, is kind the of first time I've pre- presented that particular analogy to anyone who isn't me. So that's been living in my head for about a year. Thank you for, for stepping in the ring and daring greatly to share it. I, I do appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, I had, uh, and I'm okay with failing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, we, we take our failure bows and, um, cause you know what's probably going to happen? At some point, you're going to, you're going to be thinking about this and make, oh my gosh, that did not work at all. But what will probably happen is you'll, you'll like be thinking about this and you're going to, oh, I figured out like the perfect link for it to make it all make sense. And so that is awesome then. Yep, absolutely. What I figured out was that I need a visual because in my head, it's very visual. It just doesn't get explained well with words. A 30 second gif of that would make all the sense in the world. <laughs> or I guess it's a GIF. A GIF? A GIF? Or a GIF. I never knew if it was GIF or GIF. Yeah, I don't know. So um, we have a little bit of time left here. Um, talk to us a little bit about your own ADHD. And so, um, yeah, like your, when were you diagnosed? Um, I'm sort of self-diagnosed a little bit. I, okay. So I taught for seven years. And in the course of that, I got, I wanted to bounce around from system to system because schools didn't have any money. Um, 
And in the process of bouncing from school to school, I started to go, all right, some of this is because I'm being let go because there's not money. But some of this is I'm the one getting picked. So how much of this is me? Um, and I kind of looked around and I, you know, you can't be part of education and not know about ADHD. It happens. And so I looked into it and I'm like, yeah, I pro- I've been saying I probably have ADHD. So I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in with both feet and see if I'm right. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, went to the necessary people and saw the necessary resources and learned more about it and went, yeah, that's me. And, it, and not as intensely as some people and not as intensely as people I've worked with, but I definitely have ADHD. And, um, in the course of speaking with some ADHD professionals, a few of them said to me, you understand this intrinsically in a way that someone with ADHD can't understand it. Mm-hmm. So you've got it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I did the checklist and all that kind of stuff too. Um, and the ADHD meds worked when I tried them and then I didn't anymore. Um, so at the moment, I'm, my treatment plan is things like exercise and proper diet and proper sleep and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because the ADHD meds have been um, a little inconsistent for me and I don't always like the side effects. Okay. But working really hard to sort of treat myself and also just structures and systems mm-hmm. and having a plan in place for how I'm going to handle things. Um, all of that is what I do. And so in the course of that, I started going, I would like, I understand ADHD, but I know that I've worked with teachers and I know that I've worked with parents who don't get it mm-hmm. and who struggle to understand it. And some who just resent it and don't even want to understand it. Um, and that particularly that last group. And all of those of, people are going to, um, we just, I just push them all into a muddy pool, a kiddie pool <laughs> full of rocks. <laughs> well, I, I had a conversation with a fellow teacher one day and she said, and this kid had ADHD and she said to me, how do you just forget to do your homework? Easy. And I was like, you, no one forgets on purpose. You can't forget intentionally. It's not, it's, you, you, it just happens. I was floored. I, did, I couldn't wrap my head around it. What she was doing was taking it personally that this right. kid hadn't done his homework. Right. And that's a battle that lots of kids with ADHD and their teachers wind mm-hmm. up getting into that I would love to see them avoid because it's not a battle that anyone is going to win as soon as the teacher starts to feel like the kid's not doing the work on purpose just to tick them off. And why would you do that? The kid starts to feel like the teacher doesn't like them. And now the the oppositional side of ADHD kicks in and suddenly the kid is not doing their homework just to offend their teacher. Mm -hmm. And, and it doesn't work. And that like, it broke my heart to have that conversation with this woman. And so I started looking at ADHD through a new lens and that that's probably where the wall of awful was born even though it didn't have a con- it wasn't a thing yet. So let me ask you this. What are, what are some of the, uh, the, the things that you have going for you now that's been really helpful in your managing of your ADHD? Um, I love Google calendar cause it can send me reminders about what I need to do and when I need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it lets me offload a lot of that executive functioning work to my phone and to my computer. Um, so I don't have to remember it. So I can remember other things instead. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Getting enough sleep is huge. Um, also just sort of partnering with people, like looking to, there are things at home that my wife is really good at. And there are things that I'm really good at and, mm-hmm. and 
sort of working alongside her and letting her do the stuff she's phenomenal at so that I can do the things I'm phenomenal at is really beneficial. I married incredibly well. My wife is super patient for me. She's willing to like, I forget something and she's okay. It's not like she's upset with me. Um, I'm looking for my glasses for the 15th time that day. And she's just like, have you checked the bookshelf? Have you looked on top of your bureau? Have you checked your hat? Like all of the typical places where I live. Are them. they on your face? Right. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've done that one in a while. Have you checked the fridge? That I haven't done. <laughs> um, but so I, I lucked out with my wife and having her be patient with me and understanding. And she came to an ADHD training with me probably three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And since then she gets it. Um, and that's really been beneficial. I mean, that, um, right, right there is a huge kind of take home message. If, if you're, uh, spouse partner does feels like you don't that if you feel like they don't get it, bring them to a a, a conference or something about ADHD to help them understand yeah. it because that's it's a that's a common experience. Yep. Um, um, what about um? So you know, I I'm a believer in that uh, as a therapist and coach that all good therapists need a therapist, all good coaches need a coach. <laughs> How is that for you? So as I mentioned in the beginning, you are in the, the yeah. coaching. So, okay. I agree. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Being in that coaching group has been phenomenal. Well, um, what, tell me, what, what have you got out of it? And what I'm going to really ask you to do in, in all seriousness, be completely honest. Even if you have things that like, you know, I wish this was better. Tell me that too, because I'm being vulnerable here. Because if, if you can tell me something to be, that could be improved, I'd like to know. But, um, really but tell me about at, the experience. I'm really good at telling people when something needs to be improved and I nothing's jumping to mind to be completely and thoroughly honest with you, which doesn't mean that the stuff I like is necessarily stuff someone else would like. But, but thus far, I mean, you've brought really interesting tools to the table. I love the Wednesday um, virtual reality study hall thing. The Uh virtual study hall is phenomenal where we just all sit on our computers and work together. Um, And I I also like the fact that you let us chime in with our own ideas and thoughts. It's not like you're like, I'm the coach. Now the rest of you be quiet while I impart my (laughs) wisdom. You don't work that way. If, If some one of us has a thought, and brings it up, you're like, okay, fantastic. That like, <laughs> thank you for bringing up that thought and sharing that with us. Um, so we all kind of learn from each other and wind up sort of coaching each other a little bit too, which isn't to say that you're not doing your job and you're not doing a phenomenal job at your job because you are. Um, but, but that, that's compelling too. And, mm-hmm. and I think we I all like have so much to learn from each other. I mean, that's, right. I, I learned from, from you guys as much as, I mean, your, your wall of off. I was like, dude, that's awesome. You're, you're coming on the, sh- the, the podcast to talk about that. Cause I mean, that was, that was in a response, I think, to a conversation we were having about managing emotions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, has there, let me ask you this. What, what goals did you have when you started? Um, to get my website up and running, which is, it will be when this launches, it's going to launch like the day before, but mm-hmm. it's launching. Um, tick, 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 tick. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that'll be up and going. Um, and just some general around the house type stuff. Um, I'm currently looking for a job as a guidance counselor. So that as well. Um, so if you're in the Boston area, you're, you're in Boston, right? 
Uh, yeah, well, the Western Mass near Worcester. How awesome would it be if some like a, an administrator heard this and they're like, let's get him that as cool. a guidance counselor because he clearly gets the stuff. We need someone like Brendan to come on or to come to our school and and help us. Right. Yeah. No, that'd be phenomenal. That would be Feel awesome. That would, that would be paying it forward ten times over. Yeah. Right. Uh, it would be, and and even. And even also like, obviously my, my coaching stuff that I do, mm-hmm. um, people just kind of figuring out what to do with that and how to get that going. Um, and, and another goal was just to see how you did it, to be completely honest, like to see how, how do you do it? Cause a coaching group is not something I've tried. Mm-hmm. All of my stuff is like, I literally will go to someone's house if they're in Massachusetts, like within some 45 minutes of me. Um, and I'll go to their house and work with their kid mm-hmm. or I'll go over Skype and work with them that way. I do a lot of consulting over the phone. Um, but to see how, how to group work, how do you set up a group that's not in your town? Cause that was sort of my initial idea was I can do an ADHD group, but it's kind of limited to the Worcester area. And I don't know how well that would go. Mm. Um, but now I know zoom exists and now I know sort of how you structure that. So there was a little bit of that too. I'm not going to lie. I was hoping that I would prove that I was smart enough to get on the podcast. And I'm glad that I did, but I wasn't, <laughs> but I wasn't looking to be like, please bring me on your podcast. I was just like, hopefully something I say in the course of this is worthy of Eric inviting me on his podcast. And to be honest, I knew the wall of awful would sort of do what it did. And I, but I just was like, if I get a chance to bring it up, I will. And if I don't, I don't either way. Um, and I, it just happened to make sense in that conversation to talk about it. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Like those, those are my three objectives to get coached, to learn how to coach and to maybe get onto this podcast. And I, I think I can check off all of that. I was cracking up cause you know, you could have just like reached out to me and said, Hey, I have this like idea. Um, what, what do you think about this? And I'm right. Like, all right, cool. And I could have, but yeah. that's, that's my own wall of awful. Uh. That's my own feeling like I have to earn it instead of just you did you did earn it yeah does that make sense yeah no i i I, I do get it no it's 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 so interesting because i think about like you know i'm you know often telling people to hey if you're if you have something to share you have a good story come on you know reach out to me and like i i think about it from the other perspective of because i have recently just a handful of people come up to me and almost tell me something very similar that they've had this like lifelong goal to be a guest on someone's podcast and like so come on my podcast. It's, yeah. you know, it's like the, 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 the bar is kind of low. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, but if you've never done it and I've never been, sure, podcast, sure. you've never done it. It's a, it feels like a big step. I mean, for, for, you know, in my process of how I, since I don't like to do emailing back and forth cause I'm, I'm a verbal processor. Uh, so I don't like to write back and forth. I always set up a, this kind of 15 minute pre interview for, for kind of basically screening all my guests and, and just going over the technology piece to make sure it's a good interview. And I think out of all the people that I've, uh, I've talked to, I've only had I think one person that I said, this wasn't going to be a good fit. 
and I've had, I think, two, a total of two interviews that have never aired, um, just because it was just, I don't know, it was weird. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> either there was some weird technology stuff, or the it, the conversation was just like, I felt like we were you just got not in sync. down in a pond metaphor in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think now, too, like, I, mean, I wonder if I now, because the, the two interviews that were that I didn't air were like a year ago. I wonder if I would have been more okay with with airing the more imperfect interview. Um, mm. So I, I I don't know. It's um I, I just I to me I just look I feel so fortunate doing this podcast. This is this is fun for me. You know, it's like wow. This I mean I look at it. This will be I think episode seventy eight or nine. I I can never remember what episode I'm on. Um, but I'm like damn. Like I haven't missed an episode. Like that's that's freaking awesome. Yep. You know, it's like I'm, I give myself a big pat on the back for that. And I'm not ashamed to, to say that, you know, it's like, you deserve a big pat in the back for that. That's know, huge. The fact that I have not missed an episode and I was, and I, um, you know, I've really been trying to focus on not, uh, like doing the frantic of, Oh man, it's Wednesday. I have no guests lined up for this week. Crap. I guess I got to call Tom Nardone again. Um, <laughs> and which is, which is, you know, fine. Um, but so I've really been trying to do more forward planning. And now I'm like, I have uh, tentative guests uh, scheduled all the way out to like mid-November. I'm like, sweet. Nice. You know, it's, it feels That's really awesome. good. It feels good having that that kind of flow uh, in place. But um, man, it's, I'm, I've been glad that you've been in the group. You've been a really uh, great asset uh, to, to being in the group. Um, um, you definitely have a lot of insights, uh, just into, in, you know, we, I think we all, we all have different perspectives and I think you, you have, uh, unique perspectives that, that are helpful for others. And, um, so I'm just, thank you for being part of the group and coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, but before I let you go, I do have to That's invite true. you to the random question round. This is the part of the show that has nothing to do with ADHD, which then paradoxically has everything to do with ADHD. Are you ready? I am. Okay. First question is, tell me an invention or an improvement on a product or something that, that will just change something. <laughs> so when I taught... I had a kid who had a cochlear implant, so he was deaf and he had an implant to help him hear. Mm-hmm. And we had this microphone that we handed around whenever he ne- we needed to like talk because the microphone would connect to the implant and then he could hear what was being said. The problem was in a class of 20, 25 kids, handing that microphone from one side of the room to the other is just disruptive and slows everything down. So what I would like to see would be a Nerf ball with a microphone in the middle of it that's hinged so you can open it up and when you open it up the microphone turns on and you can talk into it when you close it the microphone turns off so then you can throw it across the room and someone can catch it open it and talk into it wow that's awesome thank that's you. awesome yeah wow thank you huh it also draws the attention of everyone in the class who's listening because they would watch the ball and then know who's talking because they would follow it visually. Can it also well. like light up when it throws, when it's being thrown? That would be disruptive. That's in, that next level. Of- <laughs> but but, I, no, but when the that part of like it turns on and off when it's open and closed, like mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's that's very cool. Yeah. I have no idea how to make it, but I would love it if that was a thing that existed. Okay. Um, so... I want to uh, I want to bring the, the the random question around into 
this wall of awful. Sure. So if you have, uh, um, let's say you have 14 bricks on the ground, and each brick is six inches tall. Okay. How many bricks would you need for it to be 10 feet tall? So 14 bricks, and they're each six inches tall? Well, if they're six inches tall and you want it to be 10 feet, then you're going to need 20 bricks. And that's assuming they're piled one on top of each other and you're not just spreading them out across the ground. And I'm cracking up because I don't even remember the first part of my question. So if, if you did... <laughs> I did the math right. Did, did you listen I, to well, it? Actually, but there's going to be mortar between them. And depending on how much mortar bricks, that might reduce it from 20 bricks. Maybe you could do it with 14. I don't know. Did you uh, listen to the interview with the, I did with, with John Lee Dumas? I think it was episode thirty you know, of Entrepreneur so. on Fire. So in, <laughs> in his podcast, he has this, this whole lightning round that he does, and he and his his last question in his lightning round is: uh, You have a um, a laptop, five hundred dollars, and um, something else, and uh, you don't know anybody. Like, what do you do, basically? So I took that, like, I spun his question when he was on the show, and just turned it into a math story problem. <laughs> this man, like he solved it, like he, like, like I just asked him one plus one, and I right. was just like, "Holy crap!" We totally like. There's your proof that you don't have ADHD because I don't. I have no idea. Like I gave him all this irrelevant information to like throw him off, and and it was just like he just answered the question like it was simple, and I was just like I was in such awe of that. It's like wow. Like that's that is the besides he's like a millionaire and I'm not that's one of the differences yeah. between me and him. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, thinking of one, one more on the wall analogy. Um, you ever seen the movie Pink Floyd the Wall? Yes, when I was in college, I only kind of remember it. Why is that? Because I only saw it once. <laughs> And it's not Star Wars. Uh, if it, I could do Star Wars all day. <laughs> um, the the um, the song that we we think of as we don't need no education. Yep. What's the actual name of the song? Um, I don't know. Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> no, I know that's oh, the that hurt. I that know was... that's an album. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely have no idea. I think it's another brick in the wall, part two. There's three parts to the the uh, all that, right that song. All right, that was. I almost um, said another brick in the wall too, but I was like, that can't be right. Sometimes the most obvious too? answer is yeah. the right answer. Um, <laughs> that was one of my favorite movies. I uh, I've seen that many, many, many times. Um, I, I would love to see the live uh, uh, show of it the mm-hmm. the the um because they, they build a whole wall um on stage that's cool do a youtube search for it. it's pretty awesome yeah all right anyways that is all the time that we have brendan thank you again for coming on and tell uh, tell us where people can reach you um so you can find me at adhdessentials.com um you can send me an email at b mahan m-a-h-a-n at adhdessentials.com and also on Facebook, there's an ADHD Essentials on Facebook. Um, and that's about it. That's me. Brendan, thank you so much for coming thank on. You. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to another episode of ADHD Rewired. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You can see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and other resources mentioned during this interview at ADHDrewired.com. Help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors. I use Zoom video conferencing nearly every day, and so can you. Go free or go pro. But please, go to erictibbers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. And you can get a free audiobook from Audible at erictibbers.com slash Audible. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at ADHDrewired.com. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show. And it doesn't cost you anything extra. You can also support this podcast by leaving an honest rating and review in iTunes or Stitcher. This really helps other people find this show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't just be a passive listener, be an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We are on Facebook. You can like our page, but please submit your request to join our free and growing community. And don't forget to check your other inbox because I screen everybody before they come into our community. Looking for a coach? If you're still listening at this point and you answered yes, come to my website at ADHDrewire.com and schedule your free 20-minute consultation or call me at 224-993-9450. Is your school, business, or organization hiring speakers? I provide fun and engaging presentations full of practical solutions that both educate and entertain. Hire me for your next professional development day or corporate training event. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash talks. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.